Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, Clarice. You know, he never says that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that came from Dumb and Dumber, didn't it? Did it come from Dumb and Dumber, or is it just... Um, I think it came from Jim Carrey. I don't know where, what movie. Or is it some Berenstein Bears shit where the people just thought that's what it was? Mandela Effect. Mandela Effect. Ay ay ay. Well, that's a good segue, because we are talking about movies today not anything specific just movies from the 80s and 90s that we like these are you might not like these i i don't have i don't think i have a single one of my like favorite movies on uh all right one of them is but uh for the most part these four of my five are ones where i ripped the tape on the vhs i watched these so many goddamn times oh easily yeah and then one I have, uh, I only saw once in theaters, but it had a major impact on the person that I am today. I don't think any of these movies, well, I don't know. I, we had, uh, growing up, um, the pay-per-view channels wide open. So there was two, there was one called Request and Request 2. Request would play a different movie at, like every like three hours whenever the movie would be up. And you could request it? No. <laughs> so they just called it that. You could request to buy it. Like, it was pay-per-view. And then there was Request 2, which would play the same movie all day long. Now, being the idiots that we were, we'd watch Request 2 and watch the same movie like seven times a day. Um, if it was raining outside in the summer. So, um, But that's, uh, what do we got for news there, Squeeze? Uh, nothing too new. Uh, I just want to pick up on, uh, last week we were kind of surprised. We were just blown away by this new concept of New Jack Swing. Oh. Um. Yeah, that's, um, Barbie, Bobby Brown on my own, right? Yeah. yeah. And we're like, what is it? We've never, well, um. I was looking for the Pandora New Jack Swing station. <laughs> did you find one? I was. Oh, it kind of got, like, absorbed by, like, general hip hop. Okay. But. The um, little white kid that I was, I guess I wasn't really paying attention. But, I mean, I listened to that shit. Like, it, Bill Bev DeVoe and, like, Boys to Men, that was... New Jack Swing? New Jack Swing. So the yeah. whole Motown... Yeah, well, basically... Uh, Philly it, sound? Yeah, basically it was... Um, well, Bill, Bill Bev DeVoe were in uh, New Edition with Bobby Brown. Uh, I know that for is a fact. That That's true. I know he was in New Edition, but... Belbiv DeVoe were in it with him. Okay. Because they were just at a certain event center. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, but it was, they used original beats over samples. Samples. Yeah. Uh, so it was all original. Uh, well, that's cool. Yeah. And then I didn't. That's probably didn't why even, it sounds so good. I didn't even realize. Um, it was sampled then by rappers. <laughs> that, to me, do you remember when you found like your first musical, like your first group? It's like, this is it. This is the one. The monkeys. Really? That's. <laughs> So strange. <laughs> or not. Is it? <laughs> what was, uh, like, the show? Or, like, well, I was you obsessed actually... with the show, but also the music. Okay. Yeah. Huge influence on the Beatles. Well, anyway, th- this particular group, I 
as a um, nine-year-old white kid in the suburbs, this spoke, I mean, this music spoke to me. New Jack. This is my jam. I don't. Who is this? This is En Vogue. En Vogue. Every you don't you you don't hear me uh, when I'm rolling into a a ballpark at the on a July morning, nice and sunny, just blasting a little En Vogue. Um, you know how I block a lot of everyday life out. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, this was me. Nine years old. So you didn't even know it, but you were a huge fan of New Jack Swing. Well, this is like towards the end. This is like the very end. But this is still an original beat? Yeah. yeah. Well, you taught us all something new today. I didn't care. I just wanted to get some info on the show. (laughs) So I'm good now. That satisfied your craving? That's all I need. All that was just so I can... That was your coming out right there? Not of the closet. Oh, yeah. As a a New Jack City Uh, or New Jack Swing fan. No, I just like En Vogue. Just like En Vogue. Okay. Well, what else? Uh, <clears throat> January 23rd, 1983. What was that? Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Dun, 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 dun. So listen, if we're in an A-Team, mm-hmm. who would I be and who would you be? <laughs> well, you're obviously face. Because yeah. huh? um, you're beautiful and Thank conniving. You. <laughs> um, I think you're a Hannibal. You think so? Yeah. I, I like a cigar every now and then. And you love when a plan comes together. I do love it when a plan... That is true. Yeah. My obsessive compulsiveness and my need to plan everything. Right. And then the getting off on the fact that it comes together when right. it usually doesn't. Which, by the way, their plans never came together. <laughs> they never came together. Um, anybody out there want to be our B.A. Baracus? And who are we missing yet? Uh, Murdoch. Murdoch. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And the uh, Puerto Rican guy in season five. <laughs> yes. Anyone want to be our season five Puerto Rican? Sign up on Instagram. So what do we, we, we should get on topic today. Cause, well, we're only seven minutes in. Usually, last week, we went 20 minutes before we got on topic. No, we, just we did talk rambling. about the new Ghostbusters. Well, though. yeah, I so thought that, that was fit. topical. Yeah, I think some people enjoyed this one. This last podcast, because we talked Ghostbusters, everyone wanted to be in on your bubble bath. Some fans out there enjoyed my defense of Ghostbusters 2, and I guess not everybody got that joke. Uh, I really should put him down, he says, man. <laughs> Until you explained it to me. Yeah, it was completely over my head. Well, to be fair, it did take me a while to get it, too. But when I did get it, it was seriously my favorite thing ever. I feel like I almost want to make an excuse that I just wasn't paying attention to the dialogue of the movie, perhaps. Those kids, who does? Yeah, I'm just waiting for a ghost to show up. Right. But then in high school, when you watch it over and over and over, like me, 
you definitely paid attention and you didn't get it. You still didn't get it. Yeah. But we're co- we're talking about different movies. We're doing our top ten. I guess I have to go first, don't I? Yeah. Because even though you ended up last last week, it was just because you had more topics than I did. I'm not too concerned about it. No one, right. no one at home is going to be mad. All right. Well, don't get upset that I'm going first. But here is my first pick. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. What goes around comes around. Welcome back to Caddyshack. Hey, Ty, you're looking well. Hey, nice to see you, Vinny. Uh, Ted, whatever. Bushwood Country Club. So, you want to join old Bushwood, huh? Where snobbery is a way of life. We just don't feel your Bushwood material. I want to buy Bushwood Country Club. Well, let me ask you this. Do I own it? But now its members are going to get what they deserve. What do you think? Isn't it great? That's great, huh? isn't it? Huh? Good God. The Shack is back. Our members will never stand for this. It's a story of high culture. <laughs> Woo! I was looking for a... Poly grip? No, no. That loose stuff you put your combs in? No. And subculture. <laughs> I got you now. You little furry freak. Sophisticated ladies. Ooh, you did that on purpose. Well, I won't be a caddy all my life. I'm going to car wash school in the fall. And perfect gentlemen. Have you ever seen a crisp $50 bill? I tell you what, if I pull the arrow out, will you please suck out the poison for me? Caddyshack 2. Is there any money in it for me? Caddyshack 2. Now, before everyone says, seriously, Ryan, what the fuck? Time will, time will tell on any movie. And I think time has proven that this is a funny movie. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And I don't know why they are so much hate and vitriol. Okay, if you put it up against the first one, yeah, it's hard to compare. But it's its own movie. And I really enjoy it. And I guess the legend has it. It was being developed by Rodney Dangerfield in the studio to be a sequel. He was supposed to play the Jack Cartoonian role as Al. And um, in it, I just said, oh, I hate saying that. Sorry, everybody. I'm not trying to cough as much today like I did last week. I'm going to apologize for that as well. <laughs> I like how by not saying, um, you didn't, you know, take away from the. What? what the flow of your sentence. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, Randy Quaid plays Peter Blunt, the attorney, and he's a fantastic role. He's a psychopath. Did you see this movie? Once. Oh. Do Maybe. you remember Ronnie, or, uh, Do I remember Randy, Cra- Randy, Quaid. Randy Quaid being crazy? Yes. Well, yeah, he is crazy oh. in real IRL, so he played it really well. Anyway, that was supposed to be... Who's that gig comedian that I can't think of right now? Ronnie Dangerfield's good friend. He was... Fuck. Man, we're really blowing it already. <laughs> uh, who's that crazy comedian who just scream all the time? Sam Kinison? Sam Kinison oh. was supposed to play the attorney. And then when, uh, when uh, Ronnie Dangerfield wanted rewrites, and the studio said no, they balked at it. So he dropped out. I guess he got in the fight. And then Harold Ramis pulled out because Ronnie was out. And they, uh, John Peters... Again, all these movies, I, I, I feel like every week on this podcast, I talk about John Peters. Since I read that book, Can't Run, another plug for that book. I should be getting royalties for this book. 
he was a producer on the original Caddyshack, and he was producing this, and he, he was a tough guy. So he was kind of like, no, your name's staying on this. You cannot. If you, if you pull out, the trades will publish it, and it'll hurt the movie. It really couldn't do much more to hurt this movie. People fucking hated it. And I love it, but uh, I think when uh, Chevy Chase saw the final cut in the edit room, he allegedly said, walked out in disgust and said, call me when you dub in the laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> but what the fuck do you know, Chevy? You're, he's really funny in it. He has, he's uh, playing pool with Chandler Webb's son. And I, I, I don't know. I think the scene... He gets paid off by the son to convince Hartunian to golf for the rights to the club with his dad. And so he, he the son pays him the money that he's owed. For, he goes, hey, come here. He's like, Buy yourself a tie. You look like a Pee Wee Herman doll. So that's ni- 98 minutes of running time, <laughs> one line, and that's... What, I, what sold me. No, the gopher in the beginning, too. Uh, she's golfing. Who Miffy Muffy is played by none other than good thing I have this pulled up because I cannot remember anyone. China Phillips from Wilson Phillips. Who's very hot. Still to this day. And she goes, I really love a diet root beer. And Jonathan Silverman's playing the caddy role in this. So he runs off across the, to some 80s song to get the root beer in the beginning of the movie. Gets the diet root beer, runs back, gives it to her. She cracks it open, has a sip, and she's like, ah, that's refreshing. Drops it. And then we see the groundhog, the gopher. <laughs> he pops out, takes the root beer, and he's much more vocalized in this movie than he is in the first one. He almost fucking talks. He's like, ah, root beer. <laughs> and he's like, and pours it all over himself, you know, kind of like how people at TV... And television drink <laughs> gets it all over and stuff. And then the whole story. Jack Hartunian's great. He has one of the best lines ever delivered in TV. So Ty Webb, Chevy Chase, is teaching Jack how to golf. And he's like, be the ball, be the ball. No, 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 no. Be the ball, be the ball, be the ball. And Jack and Jackie Mason, who's playing Jack Hartunian, is like, be the ball, be the ball. He's like, and he can't get it. He's like, stop. I don't want to be the ball. If I wanted to be a piece of sporting equipment, I'd be a woman's bicycle seat. <laughs> Kills me every time I hear it. And yeah, it's a good movie. So there's my defensive. Check <laughs> too. I feel like I'm defending sequels uh, see, a lot. Now, last week you didn't need to defend Ghostbusters too. I had no, no reason for that. I understand your need. I think it's because it's just fun to shit on Caddyshack too. I right. think most people haven't even seen it Probably. and just say, "Oh, that's shittier than Caddyshack too." I mean, they're right, but well, there's another good scene. Oh, uh, Dan Aykroyd plays the Bill Murray character, mm-hmm. so he's Tom Everett, and he pulls up, and he's got this real high pitched voice. <laughs> and he kind of plays shell shocked, and. He's like, from now on, we should use our real names. Uh, at this point forward, I'll be known as Mr. Sanderson, and you'll be known as Mrs. Esterhaus. You're taking so much pleasure. Just I'll respect. quote this. So it will, we'll do this podcast. I will perform this movie for everyone at home if you want me to. Because I just watched it the other night at like 3 in the morning, 
and I could not stop laughing while I was watching it. So, fuck you, everybody. I love Caddyshack, too. Let's move on to your first one, which is... Um, Just hit play. Forget your order. <laughs> now I did, too. Uh, good one with the trucks. Ooh. Hi. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories, and I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. And who was driving it? I don't know. It was my first picture as a director, and you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. What is going on? I don't know! I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let us be in the dark. I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. And that's a promise. You're gonna get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus coming and he is. Maximum king. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. What's your next one? Oh, that was a yeah. bad cue. Anyway. <laughs> um, oh, we're on fire today. So I don't, know, I don't even know of this movie. Really? Yeah. Stephen King directed a movie? Kinda. You hear that, Stanley Kubrick? If you want something done right... He's got to do it himself. Well, he should have just waited for Frank Darabont to come around because he did it right. The Shining? Yeah, but that was, you can't even call that a Stephen King movie. Oh, he was pissed at, he was pissed at yeah. him for that yeah. because he completely changed it. Yes, but compare, if Stephen King admits this is the worst adaptation of any of his works ever. Oh, he does? Yes. If I may, um, from um, Hollywood's Stephen King by Tony, uh, I forgot, Magister, whatever. I should actually credit you properly. Um, quote, the problem with the film is that I was coked out of my mind all through production, and I really didn't know what I was doing. Does he need a job? <laughs> it, this thing, this, um, <clears throat> Emilio, Estev Emilio Estevez. I pulled up the finest. IMDb page. The first line is, when asked why he hasn't directed a movie since Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King responded, just watch Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> um, uh, this, it cost $9 million to make. Holy shit. Yeah. That's not bad. That's yeah. cheap. It made 7.5. Ooh. That's probably why I haven't heard like, of it. It's, it's a guarantee that you should what make was money. This? It was a horror movie? Yeah, it's based off of trucks. His boat? Yeah. Uh, the... Comet 
the Earth passes through a comet and uh, all machines basically become sentient, like the trucks and lawnmowers. Like Transformers? Like, kind of, but they just run people over. Uh, the soda machine that like launches wasn't soda that cans. Was a Simpsons at, episode? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, ironically, uh, Yardley Smith horror. is in this movie. She plays really? Connie. Yeah, she's screaming the whole time. Oh, God, it's irritating as shit. Yeah, I didn't think she, she could does, have any other roles but yeah. Lisa. Well, this was 86. This was, that was prior yeah. to the Simpsons. Um, yeah, this is a, your eyes lit up when you heard a Dina De Laurentiis Presents. Right. Yeah. His hot daughter on the Food Network. Um, or granddaughter, I should say. The granddaughter? Yeah, Gianna De Laurentiis. Dino, the legendary godfather film producer, did Maximum Overdrive. Mm -hmm. Shit. Um, uh, Armando Nanuzzi? I don't know. Some Italian Italian guy was DP on this. He lost an eye on it because the lawnmower was uh, a remote-controlled lawnmower because it had to, like, chase people and, like, run some people over. Um ran over, I guess, like a block of wood or like a wedge, and it just blasted splinters everywhere. Which, now I think about it... Why'd they have a blade would, in it? Why'd they have to have a blade on it? Yeah. I just realized well, that Well, I guess now. I had to cut the grass. I don't think you would have noticed. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he lost an eye. Wood splinter hit him in the eye. Uh, See, it was that, it's the difference between that and Star Wars. I just heard a good Star Wars antidote, I should tell you quickly, mm-hmm. because of that. Uh, Mark Hamill was just on Nerdist, and he was talking about they were filming the scene. There's the first scenes with Carrie Fisher, because uh, Mark went to Africa and did the Tatooine scenes first. Then he met up with Han and did the whole uh, most Eisley Station scenes. And then Carrie came in, and they did the Death Star scene, the rescue. And they were shooting a scene that was supposed to take place after the trash compactor. And Mark went up to George. He's like. Hey, uh, doesn't this take place after the trash compactor? George's like, mm, yeah. And he's like, shouldn't I have, shouldn't my hair be all messed up and gunky and wet because we were just in there? And I guess Harrison Ford walks up to him and goes, hey, kid, if people are noticing that about your hair, then we're, we failed at this movie. <laughs> and he was right. And you don't notice it. And I didn't even think about it till he said that. God damn it, I got to go back and look now. But in my mind's eye, I see it. He's beautiful. He is. Hmm. It, listen to the Mark Hamill returns on. First of all, you should anything Mark Hamill's on, give it some attention. But listen to Mark Hamill returns on the Nerdist. It's just it was up on January 11th. It's a great, great listen. Even though Chris Hardwick tries to interject him in every story, interject himself in every story. I still love you, Chris. It's all right. You're one. You're our nerd leader. <laughs> So what else? What what was who? I see here that he wanted to cast Bruce Springsteen in the lead. <laughs> that would have made it better. You can't see my facial expression, but I'm rolling my eyes. It, it did give us um, the great ACDC album, uh, Who Made Who. Oh, yeah. It was basically one big advert for ACDC album. The whole soundtrack. Stephen was... King is a huge fan of an ACDC. He offered the role bands a role. Man, uh, it was it was rough. Um, they shot it in North Carolina. I think it was mostly t- it took place in North Carolina too, and just this truck stop base. And so, because you never saw it, no, that's what you're saying. Uh-uh. All right, so the trucks come to life. The machines kill people in all kinds of various ways, um, and eventually they escape and onto a boat and get to some island where there's no machines, and they live there for a couple of days until the Soviet satellite 
with the nuclear missile and the laser cannon shoot down the UFO. Hmm. That's just postscript. It's just written there at the end. Oh, they don't even show it? <laughs> no, no, it's just at the end. It's epilogue. A uh, ep- little epilogue, and then it's like, oh, they survived. <laughs> Not that you really gave a fuck. Most, you wanted most of them to just die. Okay. Uh, There's really no redeeming. If, if that Did whole, you like this movie? I fucking loved it. It was stupid violent. <laughs> it was... Uh, See, I was shown inappropriate comedies as a kid, because I probably shouldn't have been shown Caddyshack 2. You were shown inappropriate horror movies as a kid. I think this is... I, I see it as a comedy. <laughs> oh, but the main truck, it's a big green goblin head. Really? Yeah. Why? Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> For the same reason that the that uh, Commissioner Gordon uh, has a stockpile of weapons with... M72 law rocket launchers underneath the gas station, too, because you need machine guns to take out these trucks. So, why wouldn't you? Wait, have Commissioner them? Gordon? Uh, Pat Hingle. Oh, Is Pat Hingle's in yeah. this? No way. Yeah. His only other role, yeah. besides the Burton vs. Uh, Commissioner Gordon. All right. Well, my next one is an actually good movie, I think, and I like it. So, let's, let's get it going. Isn't this great? Open ocean, uncharted islands. Who knows what's waiting for us out there? The mighty Caribbean, home of romance, adventure, and living legends like Captain Ron. Let's hear the Harvey Bug. A man of courage and dedication, to whom the sea is more than a job, more than a calling. It's home. Are you kidding? Now, he's about to cast his very special spell on the Harveys. Sucks. I have worked very, very hard to plan a spontaneous adventure, and Captain Goofy, hey boss, Captain Cyclops, Captain's Contagious over there is screwing it up. Ah! You know, there's gorillas in these woods. No gorillas, not here, no way. He said gorilla, not gorilla. Huge difference. Whoa, Dad's losing it. Captain Ron, Captain Ron. May I have the camera, please? Captain Ron doesn't mean a thing to me. I am not jealous. Captain Ron is teaching them the laws of the sea. Hey, get your hands off that. You want a beer, you get your own beer. Taking them to places they never dreamed of. Martin, we're in Cuba? Back to the raft! Back to the raft! And he's turning these four sailors into one big happy family. Pirates of the Caribbean! The Pirates of the Caribbean! Kurt Russell. Pirates of the Caribbean. Martin Short. Been to Disney World one too many times, have we, Captain Ron? Captain Ron. Dad! Captain Ron! Could you come up, please? Captain Ron! Captain Ron! <laughs> I don't know if you know what this movie's called. <laughs> I have a... I love Kurt Russell. I was going to pick Overboard. That's another one of my I was favorites. Just, I was just going to say, we're just going to list, we can do the top five Kurt Russell on a vacation boat movie. <laughs> well, he's really just on Overboard to fix her wardrobe, right? I forgot what his... Uh... Yeah, he's a carpenter and she, she's a little rich bitch and she mm-hmm. hires him to make... Well, we're talking about the different movie now. Okay. And also, I've got, I also wanted to pick, speaking of Goldie Hawn, Death Becomes Her, which is another... Um, horrible movie, but I like it. <laughs> so Captain Ron has Martin Short, 
who plays Martin Harvey. And <laughs> so he plays Martin, some big stretch, who inherits a boat and needs to drive it from some island in the Caribbean up to Miami to sell it. And he hires Captain Ron to skipper this thing up there. And Captain Ron is Kurt Russell, and he's a maniac with one eye. And I don't know. It's really good. I don't know. What do you, have you seen it? Nope. No, you're just sitting here giving me a blank stare. Yeah. I'm like waiting for you to interject. Nope. Hey, question. I'm, I'm waiting for you to. I see Triple X Return of Xander Cage on uh, IMDb. You think in 20 years we'll be talking about this movie? If we're talking about shitty movies? Well, no, because I've seen. I saw Maximum Overdrive. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, I don't plan on seeing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never saw any of the Triple X movies. Anyway. So they go, at, at first, Captain Ron's kind of endearing to him. He seems to know what he's doing. But then as they go to island, he gets lost, and they go island to island, and he gets pissed, and they pick up the whole, you hear the whole gorilla scene. They're on the wrong island, and Martin goes to stomp off into the woods because he's a pissy bitch, and uh, Captain Ron's like, oh, watch it there, uh, Captain. Watch it there, boss. Uh, there's gorillas in those woods. And he thinks he means, like, gorillas, but there's gorillas, <laughs> like, revolutionaries. And they, like, hold him prisoner, and Captain Ron negotiates uh, to get him free, but he also uh, swaps guns for a ride to Puerto Rico. <laughs> so he's uh, he goes, we are not taking – and then he <laughs> – Martin finds the guns, throws them in the water, and says, what are these guys doing in the boat? He goes, well, I gave him a ride. We just give him the guns back, and the ride's off. I already threw them in the water. So they take the revolutionaries to Puerto Rico – and it's that carnival, carnival, and the police find out they brought revolutionaries to the island and arrest them. Captain Ron gets them out. Uh, then they he warns he they leave Captain Ron behind in Puerto Rico, even though Captain Ron warns him about pirates of the Caribbean. He says, "Oh, you've been to Disney World too many times." So pirates come on and capture their boat, and they are on a raft and they land in Cuba. And he goes, get back in the raft, get back in the raft. Because back then, Cuba was not a safe place to be. Now I think it is, for now. For now. For now. And eventually Captain Ron comes and saves them. They get their boat back. And they get to Miami. And he decides not to sell it. He's going to, Captain Ron taught them how to live a wild lifestyle. And he's an endearing, lovable character now. Not a horny pervert who gives beer to children. <laughs> and Kurt Russell was like, not sure about letting kids drink. He's like, oh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. And they're like, mm, but your character would be. <laughs> so that's Captain Ron in a nutshell. I can't believe you never saw Captain Ron. I don't think I've ever seen Captain Ron. This is another movie as a kid I probably watched 100 times. On uh, request. Request, yeah. All day? All day. Request too. It's good. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there listening right now who are like, ah, Captain Ron. This isn't one of these Maximum Overdrive movies either. I actually enjoy this movie. I, I just watched it the other no, night. I love Maximum Overdrive. It's just, <laughs> I know. What do you think Captain Ron got on Ron Tomatoes? 17. 17? 17. Let's look it up. It's tough now, though, because now it's a hindsight. Am I being generous? No. 
24. Huh. <laughs> I thought it was going to be way better. Shit, why? Really? People view this as a bad movie? <laughs> People are... Pre- Look, if you're going online to review Captain Ron 25 years after it was made... Mm. Captain Ron is a movie about trapped suburbanites who break out in the romantic seas and it never really leaves suburbia. Like Captain himself, the movie guzzles up its streams and ignores the busted engine. Oh, oh we get critics. it. You can write. What do you Ugh. think? I yeah, know. What do you think Maximum Overdrive got? Uh, I'm going to go single digits. I'm going to be generous. Nine. It's going to be close. It's exactly what you said Captain Ron got. 17. H- out of how many reviews? Hold on. Because if it's out of 100, because I'm not good at math, that's 17 people that are wrong. Uh, 12. Two fresh, 10 rotten. Okay. Well, those, those two people are wrong. Ooh, while we're doing this, we might as well do Caddyshack 2. Okay. What do you think Caddyshack 2 got? Oh, <laughs> I, don't think it, I don't think it's on here. <laughs> Did they even bother to try? <laughs> no. Hold on. I might have. Oh. <laughs> Single? Six. Go ahead again. Four. Holy fuck. <laughs> 22 rotten reviews, one fresh. Was that was that me, the one fresh? Hold on, I gotta read the fresh review. It's probably still gonna be negative. It's Mike McGranahan from Isle Seed. Full review. Uh, in defense of Caddyshack 2. Oh, it's uh, a writer for PA Pen Live. That must be a regional thing. <laughs> Uh, here's TV Guide. The result is is a disaster. Mason founders in his poorly written founders in his should be flounders, right? Yes. In his poorly written role, and none of the film's endless series of gags is the least bit funny. Wrong. I'm I'm doing the Trump on this. <laughs> the first Caddyshack may have been funny, but take away some of the talent from the original, and you're left with a mess that is Caddyshack Two. Wrong. Wait, is this the positive review? No, these are oh, okay. These are Christian Science Monitor. The screenplay is. Hopelessly vulgar. The filmmaking is hopelessly clumsy. Well, yeah, but it's still good. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Um, you have a comedy as your next one. Yeah. An evil crime lord is getting inside information. We've suspected that there was a leak in this precinct. It could be anyone. Making us look like a bunch of fools. Now, Matt. Hightower. <laughs> Hooks. You can pick it up at the police impound yard. Boy! Callahan. <laughs> Tackleberry. You'll take the bus and like it now, mister! Jones. <laughs> Target human. Backler. <laughs> Harris. Make my Christmas. Or Commandant Lazard. I know we shall soon triumph over our enemies. <laughs> They love their work. And it shows when it comes to in-flight service and on-the-job safety. I have just the men for the job. They're the biggest wheels around. That was very exciting, wasn't it? Police Academy 6, City Under Man, siege. trailers sure were an art form back then. <laughs> Let's list things. <laughs> it's kind of like this show. 
<laughs> I do. Okay, this movie. <laughs> what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, now you're just being mean. <laughs> um, is it better than Caddyshack 2? No. <laughs> no. No, that's not fair. <laughs> Zero. That's not fair. I I love this is my favorite so police I. It's academy. My favorite police academy. <laughs> really here's the thing cuz I went back and when I rewatched it I'm like going into it thinking oh here's another shit movie on my list. I'm like I'm like it's not the whole time I'm thinking Listen to this review. No, it's A not walking th- talking billboard for mandatory euthanasia. <laughs> Holy shit. That's mean. It is mean. That's really mean-spirited, guys. Come on. <laughs> I, they how tried. I, I like this movie. I, but here's the thing. I rewatched it thinking, all right, I liked it as a kid. I'm going to look at this as just total garbage now. Right. I I like this movie. It's yeah. still good. I think it's good. Okay. Out of all the police academies, it's my personal favorite. It's... There's something that there has to be something to be said for it because it was mine too. As a kid, we watched it over and over more than any of the rest yes. of them. So, you know, I, I haven't revisited in a while, but I think I should. Is it the, there's a little more, it's very slapsticky. I mean, sure they all were, but this one above all. But it was kind I mean, of a callback to, I don't know, when they, when they, the beginning, when they're calling all the guys back in mm-hmm. and Tackleberry has the big gun under his pillow and he shoots his brother-in-law's, his brother uh, or his it father-in-law's dead. making the, the milk. And shoots the. He's making a sandwich. Yeah, but, but he shoots, shoots the, milk. the milk. Yes, making the milk. Making the milk. And Leslie Easterbrook. Yeah, mm, she's pretty hot in this movie too. Although her her martial arts technique on that dummy was just awkward and stiff. I got to correct her on that. I was awkward and stiff. Um, that's a good point. <laughs> it uh, uh, budget was twelve million. It grossed just under that. Sharp made its money back, though, at this point. So good for you, Police Academy 6. I like uh, when the big guy came out and he dropped his ice cream and he says, Crapola, and he turns (laughs) over a car. After I saw that, I'm pretty sure I was saying Crapola on a regular basis. And um, the the, what were the the bandits called? I just watched this like three hours ago. Really? Yeah. Oh, the Wilson Heights gang. Yes. Yeah, they were attempting to reduce property. Uh, the plot was uh, quite intelligent for a police academy film. Right. Lower property values so that the mayor, uh, Kenneth Mars, who I just was hilarious Says, in it, the mastermind. Bring me the guns. Yes. Um, and they gave him the exploding cigar. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. <Yeah>. Good one. <laughs> um, he... Uh, you know that's King Triton, Little Mermaid. Oh really? Yeah, he did a ton of voiceover work. Yeah, he died. Also, uh, for all my Fallout people, he was a Vault Thirteen overseer. Oh, don't yeah. know what you're talking about. He oh. was in Malcolm in the Middle as Otto, the German ranch owner. He was hysterical in that. Uh, Lloyd Braun's in it. Yes. Nicholasard. And um, I think his main name is Matt McCoy, but we'll just call him uh, Lloyd Braun. Insanity now. Or Serenity Now, Serenity Insanity now. Later. <laughs> I, I'm so used to Insanity Now, which is how we do it. But also, uh, George Gaines is Lassard, hysterical. Mm-hmm. I always loved. Uh, for me, the opening, like Captain Harrison Proctor sitting in the car while... G.W. Bailey, mm-hmm. who was in the original of a sequel I'll be talking about later. Um, 
This was really good in that movie. Uh, oh, wasn't whole... uh, Sweet Pea in it too? Hooks? No. The little guy. Oh, you're thinking Fackler. Oh, yeah. No, Sweet Pea yeah. was in it Police is, Academy Fackler's 4. Fackler's the one who fucks everything up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. His intro's the best as he's just walking through and just yeah. Oh, yeah. knocks this cigar into the fireworks and then... <laughs> Captain Harris knows, so Captain Harris gets out of the way and walks to the back of the room to get away from him. And he still knocks over all of like the boards in the room, in the briefing room, and then knocks over the water cooler on the Harris. Ah, it was fantastic. Good, good, good times. I gotta re- go back and. Uh... I I disagree with how many reviews are. I mean, I know it's zero, but how many are there? Seven. All right. Well, there are seven people. You just you go back, rewatch Police Academy six. Get a handle a wild turkey and go back and watch Police Academy 6. <laughs> Why? Wow, you don't need alcohol to enjoy it. Were you drunk? Well, no. I, no, I was. Drinking? I was not at all. I was drinking coffee at like 4 in the morning. You're an animal. But yeah, Matt McCoy, Nick. But isn't he, uh, wasn't he brought in in Police Academy 5 as yes. Asard's nephew? Yeah. Kind of re- to replace. Uh. What the f- Mahoney? Yeah, he was. The we did Mahoney. this last week. We did, or two weeks ago. Did we? Yeah. Oh, because we were talking about the action figures, right? Yeah. Were we? Mm-hmm. And we forgot about. We couldn't remember Steve Gutenberg's name, <laughs> which ironically is also in the first movie with is, G.W. Is, Bailey again, not in a sequel that you will be talking about. Right. Same with. And I also G. have G. an Bailey. actor in mine, which is in your sequel. Oh, I have. G.W. Bailey was supposed to be in the third one. I'll get into that when we get there later. Uh, but now where people are like, what the fuck are these two idiots talking about? Do we lose any of you because we're oh, so stupid? Let's just, let's just talk in code so we can <laughs> keep them on the edge of their seats. Cause we're basically, what we're doing is adding mental notes to ourselves so we don't forget. <laughs> just reminding ourselves of shit. Yeah. Okay, it's time for my next one. Crank me up. Star Wars, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Sound of Music. In the tradition of these great films about fighting back against the odds, 20th Century Fox presents another milestone in motion picture history. Revenge of the Nerds. 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 What is a nerd? (laughs) They've been laughed at. Picked on. There's a roommate, pal! And put down. I'm not kissing a nerd. They don't have the moves. Or the muscle. You know karate? Uh, no. Good. But they've got the brains. I know what we're gonna do. It's time for the odd <laughs> to get even. Their action tonight demands an immediate retaliation. How many cameras do we have left? This should do it. Oh, here she comes. Go up, go up. Oh, no. That nerd saw me naked. (laughs) Nerds! Are all nerds as good as you? Revenge of the nerds. Their time has come. I drink to that. Just dead air. Um, Jesus uh, Christ. The 1980s. When sexual assault was just mere comedy. To get revenge. Revenge porn was nothing more than 
something silly nerds did. Nerdlinger. This was Revenge of the Nerds. I was going to do Revenge of the Nerds 2 to keep up with my bad sequels, but I was like, you know what? I, I don't need to stay there. We're doing Revenge of the Nerds. And because I love this. Uh, la- Tri Lambs, Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. Mm, all the special place in my heart. <laughs> Your heart? Yeah, and my ding dong. This is one of the first movies I saw that my dad let me watch that had uh, boobies in it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know what to do when you saw it? I didn't. It was awkward. I'm still awkward. There was a lot of ad-libbing in this. Like, John Goodman's great in as the coach. His line is, shit, we forgot to practice. That was totally ad-lib. My all-time favorite actor, all-time. John Goodman? John Goodman. Could He's be, yeah. perfect. I was just talking about John Goodman last night and how much I love him. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Big Lebowski. He is, he's really good. If, if I had an opportunity to, to make, write a movie and... He was like, I'll be in it. I would write a character just for him. Not that anyone wouldn't, but... <laughs> I thought you said rent the movie. Rent the movie, right? I mumble. <laughs> uh, Gable, do you know karate? And he puts the he puts the jock on his head. That was ad-libbed. <laughs> I just can't get it. He raped Betty Gable. Yes. <laughs> he, and... And we all got a chuckle. We all got it. She was just okay with it. Yeah. She married him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so. I mean, Animal House ended the same way. It was ended in a kidnapping. That's true. But was there a raping? I mean, you would assume. <laughs> so the nerd, Robert Carradine, uh, Louis Skolnick, puts on the masks that... Uh, I can't... What the fuck was his name? Uh, Stan Gable, Ted McGinley from Married with Children. So Stan Gable is wearing this mask at the the party, and he goes off. Betty wants to bang in the Moon House Palace or the Moon Bounce, and Stan's got more important football shit to do. So she walks away and is walking through the Moon Bounce. So creepy Louis Skolnick puts the mask on, goes and finds her, finds her, keeps the mask on, and has sex with her. She's fucking this guy, thinking. He's her boyfriend, Stan Gable. He raped her. Yes, that's. <laughs> there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is. Yeah, rape. And then um, Betty Gable's sorority releases, earlier in the movie, releases pigs into their house when they're supposed to be on dates with them. So to get revenge, they break into the house on what's known as a panty raid, which again would be. That would qualify as uh, sexual, sexual assault. assault. Yeah. yeah, and then they drill holes and place spy cameras all over their sorority house and spy on them, getting showering and getting ready, which is also a high felony and would have you. They would all be on the Megan's Law website right now. The whole Trilam house, including Little Wormser, <laughs> but who was... may have been raped by Lamar. <laughs> but they did it in a lovable way. <laughs> How is this movie even allowed to still be watched by people? But yet, you know, the guys that, you know, worked hard and, you know, the football team and they got, you know, practices and schedules to keep. Sure, they're dicks, but, you know, maybe they earned that right. But they're the bad guys. At no point do the bad guys in this film rape anybody. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Well, that we know of. Ogre, he's he's a character, huh? Nerds. 
Um, so it, on a budget of eight million, what do you think it grossed? J- initial box office. Yeah. Like that's uh, seventy. Hmm. You gave it a lot, forty. Oh. But it's still a lot of money. Yeah. And this movie was popular. I mean, this is probably See, the I most think, popular one on our list. Because I think that, in hindsight, we look at it because people have seen it so many times. Like I'm pretty sure. I don't know if I've ever seen it like not cut. I probably go back to watching it on Comedy Central way back when they first launched and they didn't have anything else to offer so they just put movies on. You know, so then it'd be edited for cable and I think they were going to remake this. Of course they were. And it got to the point where they were filming and they just shut it down for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, they they had. See, I should have done. All right, let's go to the Rotten Tomatoes. I should have done revenge to keep with the theme. I should have done Revenge of the Nerds too. What do you think Revenge of the Nerds got on Rotten Tomatoes? See, I'm gonna because critics are gonna hate it. People are gonna love it. So I'm gonna go twenty. Sixty-nine percent respectable. Really? Out hmm. of forty-two reviews, twenty-nine fresh, thirteen rotten. But see, again, that's like hindsight. You know, it's not like it came. Rotten Tomatoes was around when that came out, so. You know, the, well, these are all reviews that were. Oh, they take the original. Yeah, they take the oh, original. Okay, but then they still have to determine if whether it's positive online. or negative. Yeah. Uh, New York Times wrote, "Revenge of the Nerds doesn't do much for movies or nerds." They gave it a bad review. Ah. Uh, but Time Out said the only worthy successor to Animal House. So That's fair. What do you think Revenge of the Nerds two Nerds in Paradise got? Oh, three. A Gentleman's Seven. Yes, out of 27 reviews, two good ones. The, it reunites most of the original cast and rounds them up for a trip at Fort Lauderdale for spring break. But Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise, forgets to pack enough jokes or compelling characters to make it through its 89-minute running time. Uh, but I still, I still enjoy Nerds in Paradise. Your boy it- from West Wing's in it, Bradley Whitford. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the bad guy. He's the Stan Gable. I don't think he any guy gets raped in this movie though. Uh, similar formula though. Exact same. Movie. Every every movie <coughs> does every movie. Everyone has a big event, a parade, a concert, a carnival, a fair, something where you have to plot towards. Well, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia kind of parodied this from their you know the ski school movie. They did a uh, skiing episode where the big race and then like they kept doing a voiceover like a like um the announcements the pa announcer the PA announcer yeah. and charlie was like why do they know everything about our life <laughs> and then it's like because we're the important people <laughs> there's a saxophone solo in it naked but yeah that's that's the 80s I, this is why i like caddyshack too because it was not the same movie at all as caddyshack it was a full, it could be like a, you know a full different, almost a fully different story. But they Which, did have to play a game of golf to decide sure. the who owned the course. Of course, yeah. would they have been better off just not calling it Caddyshack too? Yeah, absolutely. If it would have been like Caddyshack, or not even Caddyshack, just at that point when you've lost so much, just say it's yeah. Ty Webb was the, and Bushwood was the only thing connecting yeah. the two. So it could it could it should have been like Bushwood something, the battle for Bushwood. See, I should have been John Peters should have hired me as a to come up with the name for Caddyshack as too. a seven year old in nineteen eighty nine. 
I mean, like, Battle for Bushwood, fucking idiot. Duh. He's probably the same height as me back then. I heard he's a little man from the book Hit and Run. Not available on Amazon. <laughs> anyway. Revenge of, I don't know if I said enough about Revenge of the Nerds, but we're going to move on to... Ooh, a movie I don't know if I saw or not. Really? This is, this is the movie that, Was again, this? four of my five burned out the VHS. <clears throat> this one... I saw once in theaters and was integral to me growing up. Like it, this, this formed informed? the person. No, formed. But did it inform any of who you are? Um, it gave me some ideas, but um, thankfully, the end, Revenge of the Nerds did not <laughs> inform no. who I am. I've never raped. Um, this movie ruined me. All right. He's smart. Dennis Wozniak, Binary Pines computer camp. He's tough. Dad was right, Major Savage. I am scum. He's slim. Diets don't work. Chocolate cake works. He's weird. He's a camp counselor who's about to give these kids the greatest summer vacation any kid ever had. He's my role model. That's what! Ah! Brilliant. It's deranged. Attack! It's funny, raised the New York Times. Dennis, what happened? Complimentary hot wax. Get ready for sheer high spirits, says the LA Daily News. Don't worry, Mom. Please, we, we won't, won't be playing, playing with sparklers. And New York Newsday calls it tailor-made for Christopher Lloyd's campy comedy style. Thank you very much. It's the wildest, wackiest, We're not complete most outrageous comedy of the year. The games begin. Camp Nowhere. Way cool. I feel like that's how I've described you and me before. We're not complete morons. I don't remember this movie. Really? I don't know. I, I I feel like I saw it, but I don't remember it. I saw it in theaters. My, it's got uh, Doc I, Brown in it. Yeah, uh, he's a a drama teacher who uh, gets blackmailed by a high school kid who doesn't want to go to computer camp. So he comes up with this idea that he's going to have this guy play a bunch of roles and convince all these other kids' parents that you know one kid's got to go to military school in How the summer. How does he get blackmailed? Uh, he owes like a guy a thousand bucks or some shit like that. Um, and his gremlin. No diddling? Uh, no diddling. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, some kids have to go to, all, every kid has to go to summer camp for some reason. No one wants to go to summer camp. So he comes up with the plan that he's going to have his own summer camp. He uses his drama teacher to play the camp counselor that recruits these kids. And then they oh, and just, since he's a drama teacher, he can, he play, can play these roles. And no one notices it's the no same person. One, well, they're different parents. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah. You know, so they go around, and then the kids have their own summer camp, and it's a bunch of fun. You know, and they fall in love, and that's what ruined me, because I realized at 11 years old, I'm watching this, I'm like, I'm behind the eight ball on this. <laughs> I'm going to die alone. <laughs> you didn't. I left this... Well, I'm not dead yet. Well, <laughs> please don't. You have a lovely. At, at least let wife me die before you leave me. Who looks just like you? I feel so awful for her. Um, this r- movie ruined me. I was so depressed after this. 
You would. You're such a strange child. I, I'm like, I, I was seriously convinced I'm never going to find anyone. I'm 11 years old. These kids in the movies have girlfriends now. I'm going to die, and no one's going to love me. Girls were still icky to me. Well, I think they were still icky to me, too. I was looking in, like down the road in the future. They're still like, a little icky to me. Yeah. Well, you're a little icky to them, too. <laughs> a lot icky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I couldn't enjoy the fact that it was just, you know, kids having fun at a summer camp. I had to go a step deeper and just be sad. <laughs> I don't know why. I just couldn't Very enjoy odd story. the film. Yeah. Should we get, run it through the Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, we can do that. What do you think? What do you, what would you, be oh, it's got to be like a 30. It's, it's a, it's a fun, frolicky, good film. If you couldn't tell from the, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Andrew Keegan was in this? Yeah. Uh, uh, Jessica Alba. It was her first movie. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. A very, uh, very young Jessica Alba. 18%. Only 11 reviews, though. Mm. So nine rotten, two fresh. Um, not a kid. No kid is going to buy into a movie that revolves around a geek who isn't a geek and a fat girl who isn't fat. Oh yeah, the one of the camps was a fat camp. It made no like she's not fat. It was actually sent a really bad message. Now that I think about it, who was the fat girl? I don't even. Was remember. it Trish Prescott? No, I don't think so. She was oh. pretty hot. Yeah, she looks hot in this picture. Of uh, Starship Troopers three fame. Oh, and that's definitely famous. Well, should we move on? Yeah, I just needed to get that out there. That um, I'm glad we get very happy. I just a little insight into my personality. Mother therapist to you. Maybe it could help. Maybe that you got that out, you can move on. Well, that's the thing. Leading up to this, I appreciated their kind words, and after this show, I have a very good feeling that I'm not going to hear those same ones. Oh, but we're so lovable. They might like me after this next pick. Who cannot love a robot? Some say he's nuts. To the moon, Alice! Some say he's bolts. Muchas gracias. But everyone agrees he's America's most electric leading man. Mercy and home! He's... The all-new Johnny Five. Just look at these items. Increased memory, 500 megabytes online. I come with a utility pack. Dozens of gadgets for outdoor living. Lots of green pea stickers and even my own Nike swoosh. Now he's back and haywired for laughs in his newest motion picture adventure, Short Circuit 2. Winners all the time. Keep your eye on the red card. Red card, get away with me. Kid, you bother me. So keep your eye on the current thing this December. Short Circuit 2, this December on video cassette. Oh, and I had that, but I, I rented it from Blockbuster and dubbed it. This movie is another movie that wouldn't fly on account of Fisher Stevens in Brownface <laughs> playing an Indian character, even though he himself is not Indian. And I guess the way that all started was on Short Circuit 1, um, he, was, he was originally hired and then fired, and Bronson Panoche was hired mm-hmm. and then fired, and they brought Fisher Stevens back in, made him grow his beard and hair long, uh, put bl- bl- brown contacts in, uh, dark makeup, and play Eastern Indian accent. So... Wow, and I was going to complain about Matt Damon being in a Great Wall oh, movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the 80s. I love this movie. It's got so much heart. Is this the one where they militarize him? That was Is that the, the first third one? one? No, the there was one? never a third one. The third one was supposed to have G.W. Bailey coming... Think, uh, realizing that 
seeing Johnny Five on TV and realizing he didn't destroy him and coming after trying to destroy him. But okay. you know, this movie bombed, so they never made it. They kind of blend together. So this movie was Ben Javari is in maybe New York, but it's actually Toronto in real life. But they're kind of insinuating it's New York. And he's making little toy Johnny Fives. And he gets an offer from this girl to make uh, 1000 in a month. And Michael McKeon, who's selling watches on the street next to him, like joins in and makes a deal and becomes his partner. So he writes to Newton for help. And these guys are, meanwhile, underneath the warehouse they rent, like digging a hole towards something. In the beginning of the movie, like a plane lands and these jewels get off. And we realize they put, and it's like, dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. You know, when they're walking, that's the score. It's like, mm-hmm. dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like literal, like we are following the movement. Yes. So they, these jewels get in there. You realize these guys are underneath <clears throat> running this really crazy computer simulation that does not exist at this period or even this period now to figure out how soon they'll get to the diamonds. But they're going to be stopped now because these guys are in their warehouse where they're digging. And so they go in and they smash all the equipment. And there's no way that Ben and Fred are going to be able to make these robots in time. And all of a sudden, a box gets delivered. And it rolls itself into the, the warehouse. I don't know how it knows that it's not no longer outside and in the warehouse. And it kicks the box open and styrofoam peanuts come out. And it's Johnny Five. And he's like, I, I wonder to uh, fly business class. But they put me in cargo. <laughs> he's such a personality. And they realize he can make all the robots himself, the toy robots. And he's like, ah, it's me. How cute. But don't let him know that he's in a city because he craves input. And then Fred lets him out in the city and he gets he gets around. And then Fred tries to sell him and he jumps out a window and he flies. And there's a whole lot of, like, introspective scenes. Uh, like, Pino- he reads Pinocchio and, you know, about him becoming a real person. And then Oscar th- sees the guy who's digging underneath. He's at the bank, befriends him. Because he sees him as, oh, this robot can get into the bank for me. And after he gets in and Johnny Five realizes he's stealing diamonds, he tries to stop it. And they disassemble Johnny and beat him to death on the side of the street. It was ranked the number one saddest scene in a movie ever. (laughs) When they're beating, he's like, don't disassemble. You're killing me. And then like a, a ragged, beat up. Johnny Five, who, this is a callback to earlier in the film when he's watching TV, he sees a Radio Shack commercial. He goes to Radio Shack and goes in and tries to fix himself. And Fred meets him. And Fred is, like, tearing up his silk shirt because that's really important to him to, like, to stop the bleeding of, of battery acid. And Fred is, like, soldering him and helping him and getting back in line. And then Johnny does all these, makes, makes himself all badass and goes after. I'll be your hero. That's <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> And I think it's in my next movie, too. Um, that same song. And they capture the robbers and thwart the, thwart the robbery. Next thing you know, Ben, who's taking a citizenship test, is taking it alongside Johnny Five, who is now gold-plated. <laughs> and then the, the jump in the air, high five, I'm alive, and freeze. End of the movie. <laughs> I just what, Should we run it through Rotten Tomatoes quickly? I don't think you have to. <laughs> I think you just did. <laughs> uh, why would it not? What, what, what's your guess? Uh, 16. Ooh, 38. Huh. Yeah. Probably because of Johnny Five. Yeah, how can you? 
an awkward manifestation of both the typically overwritten trappings of box office mandated sequel and a seriously thoughtful remunition on free will. I get it. You can write. <laughs> but the, he's right. That's exactly yes. what it is. No, it is. It has all the trappings, but there's a good story in it uh, discussing. I'm just, as much as I hate rehashing things over and over again, and reboots and remakes, and he really is a great character that you could do. I just want to see him do more. Johnny Five? Yeah. Yeah. Just without brown face. Like, have Aziz be in the movie. You know, if you want an Indian guy, and he'll just be as easy. He won't do that. In Master of None, he, they bring up that he's in brownface because he keeps going to auditions, and they want him to do uh, Indian accents. He's like, why, man? Why can't I just be me? <laughs> you know, cl- classic Aziz. Anyway, um, what's your next pick, Squeeze? Uh, my next pick. Now, the, the trailer for this one is just basically, well, there's some dialogue in this film that is just, among the great speeches of all time. And uh, the trailer is just music and action. So I figured I'm just going to pull this the greatest speech ever spoken in a movie. Troopers, I just received new orders. Our superiors say the war is canceled. We can all go home. Bison is getting paid off for his crimes. And our friends who have died here will have died for nothing. But we can all go home. Meanwhile, ideals like peace, freedom, and justice, they get packed up, but we can all go home. Well, I'm not going home. I'm gonna get on my boat, and I'm going up river and I'm going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is gonna feel it. Now, who wants to go home? And who wants to go with me? Wow. Such an American speech. It's right up there between, uh, I'd say, network. And Independence Day. Well, I mean, listen, I was so psyched for this movie, Street Fighter, because the video game. And Jean-Claude Van Damme, as a kid, I thought was awesome. But at least Kylie Minogue was cast as Cammy. I know. But not very good casting, I would say. No, no. Well, except for Raul Julia, which is his last movie, right? I feel so bad for him that this was his last movie. Well, he was Gomez, though. Yeah. Killed it as Gomez. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the studios wanted uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme for this so bad. Like that, that, That's all they wanted. They basically, they had him and they wanted to build a movie around him. And they right. took Street Fighter and did it. Of the $35 million it cost to make this movie, he got eight of that. Wow. So basically, yeah, a quarter of the budget was just his salary. Shit. Um, then he went on to make Double Team with Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Who I I feel I see Damien Chapa was cast as Ken. I always saw uh, Owen Wilson. <laughs> You're right, it kinda does. Yeah. Um but yeah, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the video game. They kinda no. They have the characters, um, but Yeah. Um 
and even like secondary characters like uh balrog like, well like, not balrog but like but like dj oh. and st- and like t-hawk and stuff they have more like supporting roles and uh, like dalzim he's the scientist that creates blanc or just something that kind of resembled him the makeup was kind of mm-hmm. it's like they went to the halloween you know halloween store and just picked up a costume real quick it was it, it's not the best movie ever made in fact time magazine considered it the eighth worst video game adaptation right in between double dragon and super mario brothers where does mortal kombat fall into that i didn't even see it on the list oh which maybe 11 um but yeah it was just rough and like the editing just all over the place no they're it, not supposed to a, be american soldiers right they're they're an for allied nations instead of un yes oh. so bas- basically what he does is um because it's a multi-country force he's starting a world war pretty much by stealing the soldiers of other nations i'm pretty sure he would be executed uh for war crimes is he supposed to be American? Yes. yes. Wow. Yeah. What do you um, think of God on Ron's videos? <laughs> I can't believe it's this high. Uh, really? So it's high? Well, I'm going to go 11. 15. Okay. What, what drives me, it, it opens up with um, Chun-Li and Honda and Balrog are a TV crew, an undercover TV crew, because... They all want to get to Bison, too. Yeah, so. Honda's Samoan in this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because Yokozuna played a Japanese and he was Samoan. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> I guess um, they're interchangeable. But, it's racism. What bothers me is Bison cuts into the TV feed of as they're interviewing Guile. And somehow Guile knows, like, sees through the lens of the camera Bison talking to him because he tells Charlie to hang on so he can see Oh my God. Blanca on the... Van Damme had Guile's American flag tattoo? Yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. Oh, they even pose with it. Yeah, like, I he poof, like punches Bison and he goes, and does, like, this flex and poses, and you see the American flag. We're all like, woo! Because we were all, like, we still had our Gulf War boners at this point. Yeah. You know? Um, it, it made $99 million. Wow. Yeah. Just because of the name. Yeah, that's pretty much where it was going. And there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, marketing around it too and the soundtrack promote you know promotion was out there a lot of awkward adr mm. uh initially had like an r rating mm-hmm. and then you know uh, capcom's like fuck no we no. want to make money off this yeah. thing so they cut it down and then it was too tame so then they actually adr'd in curse words to get it to really? pg-13 yes wow. uh fun fact mike briscoe has a vhs copy of this movie in his car <laughs> I don't know why. Why is it in his car and not in a VHS deck hooked up to his TV and watching it ad nauseum? Because that's what I would do. Right. So did Stephen E. D'Souza go on to do anything else? Uh, He's a writer. He also directed it, though. Mm -hmm. But he wrote a lot of stuff. Uh, He actually got a number of awards, too. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So this was was a studio hack job, then? I think so. Uh, Although he admit he was a fan of the film. He penned the initial script overnight. (laughs) 
This feels but, like I could have done it. Yes. But he, he, was a, he admits he was a fan of Street Fighter, and I think that's why he wanted to do it. Oh, he wrote Die Hard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of... Uh, 48 hours? A ton of, like, action movies from the... Judge Dredd? Yeah. Well... It was not a horrible Judge yeah. Dredd, but I still liked it. Why didn't... He took his helmet off. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. He wrote the Flintstones movie. Oh, and Beverly Hills Cop 3. That, I wanted to add that on my list. Wonder World. I didn't know y'all had a tunnel of love here at Wonder World. <laughs> oh, he wrote Die Hard 2 also. But he didn't write Die Hard with a Vengeance can't be perfect did he direct anything else i don't think so it might have been seven credits mm, TV i mean movie. nothing that yeah. i'm aware of no. well we should move on because this podcast is getting long and i still have one more to go and you have one more right mm-hmm. oh god A fortune in ransom. I don't care what they want. I'll pay anything. A mystery in the making. You don't know anything about this kidnapping, do you? There's only one man tough enough to intimidate the suspects. Smart enough to uncover the clues. Brave enough to catch the kidnappers. Who is that? Harry Crumb. Ah! That's right, the Harry Crumb. He's the last in a long line of great detectives. My reputation precedes me. Otherwise, I'd be late for all my appointments. <laughs> He's a master of disguise. I am the Jules Delioche. Could you spell that, please? I don't think so. Try it with a D. His mind is like a steel trap. You find that crazy typewriter, and you'll have your kidnappers. It's no wonder they took her. Just look at her. She's perfect. Perfect? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look at the size of her head. She must be enormous. You get paid for this? Usually, yeah. Are you a fly fisherman? Fishing is my life. Who's Harry Crumb? Good. Taught, listen to this trailer. There's still the worst hour of it to go. But this was John Candy's first starring, like, true starring role. Uncle Buck came out not too like much later after this but they said this was a movie that turned John Candy from a sidekick to a star one of my favorites request all day long baby who's Harry Crumb uh, he plays so many characters this was a big SC- SCTV movie uh, Paul Flattery who's Joe Flattery's brother uh, directed and Joe Flattery plays a cameo in it there's a lot of SCTVs Annie Potts is in it and she's really hot in the movie too you see her nipples hmm. yeah through a bra and <laughs> Jeffrey Jones, the, the pedophile, is the bad guy. Spoilers. Because you don't know he's a bad guy at first. Uh, yeah, it just it's a funny movie, and it still holds up. Harry's a uh, detective, a gumshoe, and uh, they bring him in because of what a bumbling idiot is to throw them off the case, but he winds up solving it. And slapsticky and funny, but yeah, who's Harry Crumb? I don't know. Who has ever seen Who's Harry Crown? You haven't, right? I have. I, I thought you said you didn't see it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, like, one, way back. Black Belt and the Keto and the Boots to Match. It was a John Peters before he got owned. It was right before they bought 
Sony bought TriStar and uh, Columbia. So Peter Gruber, there was Coke. If Coke still owned it, so it's Coke seeing cans just like Ghostbusters when they open the fridge. You see that Coke can really prominent in the foreground. Coke still owned that that uh, movie studio. Um, there was a great scene in there where he's counting the money, and <laughs> Harry Crumb and he's, he's going like this, like like into his ear like you know flickering he's like all there picks up another stack like fingers through it and he listens to it all there picks the last stack one short and the the actual detective's like bullshit he's like count it so she's like count it count it there's one short it's so stupid but it's hysterical Uh, I don't know John Candy's funny may he rest in peace so that's Mine, you want to do your last one? Or is, yeah. Is it time? Yeah, we should get moving. Yeah. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm right out one! Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? If I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? I said half. Half. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. Well, it's a matter of life after death. Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah. Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. Let us in, let us in, let us out, let us out! Murder. This is getting quite serious. And madness. (laughs) In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. Clue, it's not just a game anymore clue so i as i'm looking this up there in the trailer this is another peters and gruber movie seriously read the book john peters and peter gruber had their hands over everything and somehow they kept turning out these turds <laughs> i wouldn't call this a t- i love but this that movie. we loved yeah i love this movie what do you think it got on ron tomatoes uh, 12 <laughs> even though it deserves like an 80 this is a work of art. I agree. Oh, it's 62. Oh, well, okay. It's, it's fresh. <laughs> and Michael McKeon. Yeah, two movies of Michael yeah. McKeon. And Madeline Kahn, who was... It makes sense because she was dating John Peters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, she's my favorite in the entire movie. She's great. Madeline Kahn's awesome. Mrs. White, Mrs. White. was the best... Ca- the funniest character. She had the best lines... Uh, I think as a kid, I liked Martin Mull more just because he was kind of, it was a little more slapsticky and goofy. But now, just some of the stuff that, uh, the raunchiness of some of her dialogue that I didn't get as a kid, now I, I think it's some of the best writing in the whole film. Mm-hmm. And it's Tim Curry. I mean, he's just awesome. Yeah, Tim uh, Wadsworth. You know, the funny thing is, have you ever looked up Yvette? What she looks like now? Colleen Camp? Yeah. <sighs> Time to not do her any favors. I think that's kind of like her thing, though. Is it? Like, she's cool with it. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. 
Has she done anything that I might know of? Uh, not since then. Really? I mean, I'm talking out of my ass, so. Oh, she was, uh, Marjorie and, um, an entourage. Did you watch Entourage? The fir- after the first season, I got irritated by them just living perfect lives <laughs> and not having anything challenge them. I, I, I watch it just for drama, it. and this is classic drama. Drama takes Turtle to see his sure thing, the best blow job in Hollywood, and it's her, it's her. Colleen Camp plays it, but she's more into drama, and the hot one's into Turtle. <laughs> and of course, drama fucks her. But yeah, so that's her. Oh, man. She was so freaking hot. Mm-hmm. And as Yvette in this movie, like definitely did naughty things in my bedroom alone while pausing with on, the candlestick <laughs> with the candles <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> oh boy! So, what else about this? Um, let's see, Professor Christopher Lloyd, another Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd movie. Uh, Michael McKean was Mr. Green. Moles, Mustard. You said you liked him as the most. I, when, I, when, when Miss I was Scarlet a kid, was uh, Leslie Ann Warren. Warren yeah. mm-hmm. And, and uh, Eileen Brennan. Yeah, it was Miss Peacock. Peacock. She was good, too, the monkey mm-hmm. brains. Right? Now, who was... Uh, Cantonine Cuisine. Yes. But yeah, she was a murderer. Uh, Miss Scarlet was a murderer, and then they were all murderers. Yeah, they were all murderers. Uh, They're all being blackmailed, right? Yeah, by the same guy by Wadsworth. By yes, because yeah. he was Mister Body. In well, if you go by the real ending, how it really happened, because there Mr. were three endings. Right, Mister Green was the cop. Yeah, he was a, a FBI agent, and he was the greatest line ending. I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife. <sighs> and they all thought Mister Body was the one who called them there. Yes, well, the Mr. Body, who is the first to die, mm-hmm. turns out to be the butler. Yes. And Wadsworth, who is Tim Curry, actually happens to be Mr. Body. Spoilers, Spoilers. if you haven't caught this in the last 30 years. but uh, The taglines, seven suspects, six weapons, five bodies, three endings. <laughs> it was actually four endings, but uh, it never... Uh, John Landis came up with the story? Mm-hmm. Oh. He said, yeah, there was a fourth ending, but he didn't like it, so they scrapped the fourth ending. Mm. Madeline Kahn's short, flames on the side of my face monologue about her hatred for Yvette the French maid was ad-libbed and improvised. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so hot. Fla- flames come out of the side of my face. Why, why am I doing it? I'm an asshole. She was <laughs> hilarious. She killed it. <laughs> The color of each character's car is the same color as their playing piece in the game. Oh. This might be the best movie made about a board game ever. I mean, Battleship. (laughs) I was so confused. I thought that was just left. Whatever fell on the cutting room floor from Transformers, and they just (laughs) kind of. That's what they did. Okay. Um, Oh, Carrie Fisher was supposed to be Miss Scarlet. May she rest in peace. Yeah. She checked, she had to check in the rehab. Uh, prior to filming no but uh, this is in my this is probably my top 10 all time I love this movie and like I said I watched this to the point where now you can't watch it with your wife right nope can't watch it no Tim Curry in our household (laughs) can't watch Home Alone 2 because of it she is mortified of clowns so that's out of the question 
Hmm. This was a movie that I didn't know existed till Comedy Central. They'd play it all day long. Mm -hmm. And then I got obsessed with it. And I'm pretty sure the first time I taped it off Comedy Central, then I did a dub to get the commercials out. (laughs) So as I would watch it, there's like seven layers of generation loss. You can barely make out any colors. Looked like it was in black and white by the time I was done with it. I think this might be our... Oh, here's here it is. Producer of the film, John Peters and Leslie Ann Warren, were at one time married and had a son. Oh, yeah, I knew that. I just said that. I thought it was during the movie. They were broken up at the time. But they're still friends. Of course, they had a kid together. So, read Hit and Run. I know you got a lot to read. You had a lot to watch and a lot to read. I don't know... You, you spent all night researching for this. I, I slept from eight to one. Yeah, but I divvied it out. I watched these movies over the course of the week between when we made the list and when we got here. I intended to do that. <laughs> I, don't that was my ch- intention. I don't have a small uh, human being yeah. that I have to take care of. Ah, squeezer. I don't even know what we're talking about next week. I have no... Fo- we didn't plan that far ahead. We did not. I didn't think we'd be doing a show this week. Right. <laughs> But we made it. We're here. I, I guess this was a show. It was our longest show ever. We gave them an hour and 25 minutes so far. And they love us for it. Yeah. You're so fortunate. But <laughs> I guess we should just say goodbye. Yeah. You can put up the theme music a while. Hey, we got that right. Right. I, I did it early <laughs> without doing any like motions to you. Just like sneak in there. Right. Because if you would have seen me do something, you would <laughs> gotta put the card up so we'll definitely be here next week we don't know what we'll be talking about but we're we'll have a good topic for you so tune in the same rad years time same rad years channel maybe we'll talk about the 66 batman show now that i say that we you know we didn't do we did one on the 89 batman but we didn't do Mm -hmm. all things batman i feel like we just did an all things ghostbusters so i want to you know stretch those out yeah Let's spend more time than the last minute of our podcast deciding what our That's next one should be. That's a good idea. You're saying we should pre-produce <laughs> these things. For the right ears, I'm RK. I'm Squeezer. Good night. <laughs>